everyone. Welcome to this roundup. As the development of AI creates new opportunities for everyone, the transformative power of AI technologies is visible in the progress and development seen across nations and all its components. While the goal is to improve the lives of everybody around the world, it is also raising new questions about the best way to build fairness, interpretability, privacy, and security into the emerging systems. Since these issues are far from solved, they are in fact at the forefront of the technology adoption across nations. As AI technologies becomes widespreadly, widespread and deeply embedded in products and services and responsible for an increasing number of decision-making processes like benefit payments or mortgage approvals or payroll granting, college admission, job inter interviews, medical diagnoses and more, they are becoming less visible and less transparent. Now, since algorithms are not viewable, one of the real risks with AI is amplifying and reinforcing existing human biases into AI decision-making processes. While the biases could be either intended or in unintended, the reality is that AI-based decision-making should bring trust and transparency to those impacted. So as we move forward in using AI systems for decision-making, trust is going to be very crucial. So to discuss, how to develop that trust in AI systems, I'm delighted to welcome Anand Thamboli to this roundup. Anand is the author of the upcoming book on keeping your AI under control, a pragmatic guide to identifying, evaluating, and quantifying risk. Welcome, Anand. We're honored to have you on this roundup. Thank you so much, Jayashree. Very happy to be here. Wonderful, Anand. So what is responsible AI and what is it about? So uh, the way I uh, describe responsible AI to anyone is essentially, uh, it starts with the premise that tools or systems per se are not hurtful or they, they don't have any meaning behind uh, them. So people using them are uh, hurtful or could be hurtful or they have a meaning or agenda behind them. So the thing with the technology is if you learn how to use it effectively, it works for you. But it depends on who you are and how you would use it essentially so one of the things that distinguishes humans uh, from other species or others in general is our freedom to decide how we act and whatever we choose we could always have chosen differently we, uh, that's why we are choosing from multiple options so responsible ai is essentially it's not a better technology it's about how we choose to make it and how we choose to use it so uh, in a way ai is giving us a tremendous power it's a great power and obviously that means with great power we have to have uh, it has to be handled with greater responsibility now uh, ai is raising more concerns than any technology before and that's because potential nature of uh, being disruptive and it can create a larger impact than any other technology so the concerns such as massive workforce displacement or loss of privacy increased biases in decision making uh, general lack of control uh, essentially over the any automated systems or robot so these issues are significant and they also are addressable in my opinion so if we approach with right planning right oversight and governance uh, that is possible so responsible ai you know it's a framework i would say which brings several critical practices together 
where we can ensure that ethical uh, or transparent, accountable usage of these uh, AI technologies uh, is, in, is put in place. And they're used in a manner that is consistent with uh, human uh, expectations, organization values, human values, and societal laws or norms, essentially. Uh, sure. Let me give you a small example out here. As in, uh, under normal circumstances, mis-selling, if I sell you something uh, by deceiving you or not giving you enough information, typically in a financial services uh, domain, it will be dealt with utmost caution and uh, government will step in, there would be grave consequences. In fact, in Australia, we have had several royal commissions inquiries around that. But if uh, you would implement a uh, chatbot which is going to sell you something. Uh, how do you handle that? And I think understanding that these complexity exists is in a way being responsible so that you can deal with uh, more pragmatically. Yes, no, no, I, uh, you made some really good points. Now, at one point you said that uh, how the organizations dis uh, choose to use the technology it you know that makes it responsible now organization if they develop the algorithm on their own then it is possible for them to control a lot of the outcomes because then they can prevent the uh, what goes into the programming of the code and it, they can prevent the buyers getting into the system but if they buy if they purchase the systems off the shelf or you know somebody else has developed it and they just train their system using their data then they don't have much control so it still you know depends on how the technology was developed who the developers were and uh, how under what conditions the algorithm was developed that requires that would you know uh, define whether that uh, ai algorithm is responsible or not and that you know would require probably a different approach but uh, simply basing our uh, you know destiny or decision making process on the algorithm that has already been developed i think that would be probably misguided you know if somebody else has developed and we don't know who those developers were and under what conditions they defined the algorithm and set the parameters so uh, that you know we have to be very careful about but what are the foundational elements of responsible ai from your understanding uh, good question. So, in fact, I think uh, these these elements have to be timeless in nature. They have to be deeply rooted in an organizational fabric, and it's not something that would come uh, just because the AI is there. Elements such as ethical purpose or societal benefit. So, how organization operates, regardless of technology, do you always put societal benefit upfront or not, or do you always go by? Uh, just the profit and shareholder benefits, because if that's the case, then probably your decision-making would be twisted. Uh, again, uh, discrimination, fairness, safety, reliability, all these uh, factors are underpinning uh, uh, the, the fundamental elements of AI. But uh, some of the elements also come from uh, supply side of uh, AI. For instance, we have seen a lot of vendors constantly pushing or faster adoption that you must start using it you can't be left behind there's there's no way you will die if you don't adopt now and i think this is a borderline greedy uh, it's not a customer centric approach because uh, i understand vendors want to push ai by making it easier frictionless in a way so that's why they are uh, packaging it in a black box so that you don't have to bother about it but they seem to ignore this inherent risk that 
that is in their system or solutions that it's not just the solution one point solution it's a whole ecosystem which is beyond your control as a vendor there are multiple other things that interact so understanding that factor that it's not your solution only and there could be several other systems that are interacting is another fundamental element that people need to understand it's more like becoming a cart before horse situation right now uh, only will benefit vendors and enterprises essentially will lose money uh, because uh, the moment they start without understanding what's going on uh, it just becomes there's no turning back they just enter rabbit hole and uh, bleed through the nose but in general i think it's uh, it is must to cover it has to cover three uh, fundamental aspects so number one is are you designing the right solution you don't have to understand what is inside the black box if that is uh, the limitation but at least are you designing a right solution the second one is whatever solution eventually you are deciding or or selecting has that been designed right has it been developed or designed in a right way and third part is are you essentially covering all the risks so if he if any organization any company any nation essentially covers these three aspects of any solution uh, any ai or technology implementation i think uh, they would be pretty much in control pretty much uh, they would cover that responsibility part of it yes i think one more i would like i think we can add is at number 0 is what problem you are trying to solve because you know a lot of times exactly a lot of times they if you're trying to solve wrong problems then you know it is not going to help so i think we should start with uh, what problem you are trying to solve then we should move from there but you made some really good points there and uh, i think it is very important that we spend more time in defining the problem defining identifying solution designing solutions and then you know then building the solution because it has to be a very well thought approach and in fact you know risk group we promote uh, that we know all the algorithms that are being developed all across nations we would need to at some point uh, come up, come up with a solution of how to define how and then name the algorithms because a lot of algorithms at one some point they become security risk and we have no control there are so many algorithms being developed all across nations some in local languages most in english but a lot of them are in local languages the coding happens in local languages like chinese and many other languages so then you have no idea what code you know is put in embedded into the algorithm and that is a part of any product or services and we have just no idea about what that is supposed to do and what is it supposed to do for the uh, person who has designed the code or the designed the algorithm so we need some security checks and balances and we need to come up with security uh, measures and security identification system that can identify that at certain mm. point that if even any any algorithm becomes a security risk then it has to go through the proper you know procedures but that is a topic for another discussion but these kind of risk management measures would need to be uh, defined and developed otherwise we will have no control about ai because just depending on uh, approach of responsible ai framework that we have to you know keep ethics in mind we have to keep uh, all these uh, different variables in mind and uh, it is not going to change the human nature 
we will need audits we will need you know security checkpoints so we will have to at some point you know we have begun the discussion risk group has begun the discussion on that and we'll have to you know at some point come up with a proper system because otherwise just by have, depending on the goodness of the human nature we will not be able to control ai but that is a topic of a uh, discussion for another day so how as you mentioned that you know we have to define solution you know in a very uh, thoughtful way so how how should any organization design solution with a responsible ai framework in fact uh, if i follow on from my previous answer that uh, ai has to cover these three fundamental aspect uh, i did develop a, a framework which i also mentioned in my book is it's a 10 step approach essentially and it is uh, amalgamation of uh, a lot of uh, business excellence or process and uh, other practices and risk management practices so if you put them together essentially these 10 steps should be able to uh, give you some idea some framework as to uh, having a uniformity in assessing that so let me just briefly uh, go through it the first one is uh, as you said earlier uh, defining the problem correctly because uh, that's the fundamental step if you miss that then uh, anything that you do afterwards is basically pointless so and, and more importantly it has to uh, align with your short-term objective as well as long-term objective or long-term goal. So as a company, if your long-term goal is something, because it's always the case that the short-term deviations eventually add up and then long-term uh, problems happen. So defining the problem is uh, definitely number one. Uh, secondly, establishing correct levers. So if you define that this is the problem I want to solve, uh, quite often we assign symptoms of those problems we, we try and solve the symptoms and not the correct levers correct drivers so establishing that we are exactly uh, drive uh, affecting the drivers and not just the symptoms is the second part the third part is validating that all the drivers that you have identified do they really make sense uh, can you simulate or at least uh, by any mechanism can you establish for the fact that these drivers are exactly going to affect the problem uh, in a better way and then when we choose a solution that okay now i have established my problem i know what levers i need to pull to to solve it then i go and purchase a solution or develop a solution but then we can't anymore link that solution to the problem because problem is always abstract. I, I often say, and people think it is counterintuitive, but the thing is, with solution, we always fix the causes or, or the levers. We affect the levers and problem is taken care of. So if we are able to establish that the solution is able to positively impact the lever, that's the fourth stage, and then you're sure that yes, it's gonna work. Then the fifth part is verifying that it's going to fix the key problems, not just your bottom three problems, but uh, bottom three levers, but the topmost levers first, because you're prioritizing things. Uh, businesses have limited resources, so you can't fix everything. Uh, and that's how it should go. But then uh, understanding the risk is the sixth part, essentially. They can come in all sizes, small, medium, large, however you call it. But regardless of that, I think understanding and acknowledging first that the risks would be existent is the first part and then this the next part would be quantifying the risk because uh, otherwise it just feels that okay every risk is similar 
unless you quantify in certain way, whether it's a high, medium, low, or whether you're putting actual risk number to it, uh, a real number to it. But once we quantify, then it becomes easier to address and also to measure that uh, how much you have uh, reduced the risk. Sure, no, those, guess, are all, those are all good points, Anand. And uh, uh, I think they would be helpful, you know, in the, theoretically in understanding. But who who will do the risk management? Who will go through all these steps for any algorithm? That would define uh, whether it's going to be effective or not. Because the risk managers, they don't have understanding of the code. What is written in the algorithm? No, not many people can understand that. Even experts of you know uh, programming, they will not be able to understand what exactly is coded. So uh, yeah. unless we involve very very astute, very sharp individuals who can identify the coding issues or what is embedded in the code, what is it trying to do? We even though we have all these defined, you know, very well defined risk management uh, structure and framework we will not be able to understand, you know, what is actually the algorithm designed to do. Right. But then, you see, the, the point here is, even if you don't understand uh, the algorithm by itself, and that happens with even uh, the researchers or doctorate fellows, wherein they say that uh, at some point in time, the complexity goes beyond a limit where we just stop assessing it. But that that's where I think, uh, the reverse validation has to happen that fine whatever is in this box even if i can't make out what is in the box and that's where probably we need to understand it from the context perspective that where i want to use this black box and in my context if i understand my risk then i would rather test all the scenarios all possible uh, even remotest possible scenarios i can test those scenarios with the black box through it at uh, it and see what comes out and if i don't like what is coming out uh, then uh, i'm just gonna reject it uh, i won't accept it but as long as i keep liking you are saying let's focus more on the uh, output of the algorithm than you know what is in the algorithm uh, testing uh, algorithm so which is why the, uh, the second part when we say that uh, the solution has to be designed right but then how much control we have as a company, if I'm buying a solution, uh, exactly. I have little to no control. No, no, not no control. You're right. Yeah. So, so then I simply rely on my vendor that, yes, you are following best practices. And you, if you say so, I just agree to it. Yeah. So but I mean, what I can do on my side is I can test it rigorously. Yes, testing can be done vigorously, but again, you know, if the algorithm is designed in certain way that when the testing is going on, you have to behave in certain way. And when the testing is done, when you are actually, you know, uh, doing what you're supposed to do, then you can go to the original behavior that, because these algorithms are going to be very intelligent. So they will know how to beat the testing and, you know, validation and all those different factors. So we have to come up with a very different approach. These are all very well thought, you know, ideas. And in ideal conditions, it should work. But the, we, we have to remember that these are intelligent systems that we are building. It will know how to fool humans. It will know how to 
uh, full the testing and you know all te everything that uh, they are supposed to go through quality control or whatever so it will be interesting to see how the battle emerges you know between the man and machine and how we come up with ways to uh, control them it will be very interesting to see that but uh, how to design responsibility and build trust even uh, i mean i would prefer that we are able to design responsibility and trust right into the code but is that the right approach or you have something else in your mind uh, i would say building in the code is always the best place to start but uh, like we said that if we are not relying on it or we uh, that itself is in question then how do you test it so let me give you a real life analogy here that if i have to trust someone in real life uh, i would typically rely on three things without knowing what is happening in somebody's head uh, three things i would rely on as to how someone was taught or how how was their upbringing and education in itself so what typically they should be thinking the second is uh, i would test them thoroughly at least ask them as many questions as i can to ensure that they have learned it well understood the rules of the society and they may still be pretending that yes they understood but that's the second part and the third part is i have to ensure that they are operative all the time in a right environment so that i am ruling out the environmental factor so when a push come to shove that i can pinpoint exactly what is going wrong because i have validated your learning or upbringing that's fine i have validated that operating environment is not an issue then what exactly wrong so similarly if you go with ai and we, if you want ai to be trustworthy the these three things the training part the testing part and the the surrounding of the ai system that uh, because it will always come back saying that this particular solution is doing fine rest of the systems are not doing fine so, so that so rest of the systems are you talking about ai based systems or the other uh, systems that are in the organization uh, other systems uh, processes uh, other ai systems which are interacting with your uh, system in uh, question as well as human being because that's always the point right someone will say okay system is right you don't know how to use it right 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 so there will be a lot of interactive issues and integration issues Yes, I hear you on that. So, how do we implement governance? If we come up with an effective governance structure, then how mm. do we implement that? And how should automated automated systems, the decision system, should be governed? Uh, I think the best way to implement governance for any decision making system, in particular, is to uh, make it follow fundamental rules of the law. In a nutshell, so rule of the law says uh, decision maker. Uh, must be transparent and accountable so make ai system transparent and fix the accountability as to if something goes wrong or who is going to take that accountability is that the system or is that a person managing it so we have to have a name assigned to it all the time uh, rule of the law also says that decision maker must be predictable and consistent so that uh, we believe it's it's trustworthy so we have to make it, ai system uh, decision making system predictable and consistent as well and finally the rule of law also says that uh, decision maker you must always put equality before the law so uh, the, the ai system also must be free of bias as much as possible and, and discrimination so even if it means diverging from some of the set rules 
uh, in that case but as long as it's not indiscriminate it's not discriminating uh, recklessly so in general i think uh, uh, human always have to be kept in the loop as long as uh, the decision making is concerned or required because automated decision making at the best they should recommend they shouldn't be deciding for us yes no definitely i mean it should not decide as it can give us guidance it can give make our uh, identification process easier but uh, at least for now the decision in the decision process humans should be involved because we don't know how the algorithms are behaving and until yeah. we develop that trust and responsibility in that we have to uh, keep the human uh, factor you know involved in that but you mentioned the law so all these algorithms let's say you know a company like uh, google has you know uh, come up with an algorithm or any other company palantir or any other company and then they are used across you know nations not just in united states but in many other countries so laws in every countries are going to be different so uh, yes. the algorithm so following the law should be encoded in the algorithm or it should be external you know based on the framework that you are proposing so typically uh, the, the fundamental technical part of the algorithm is one layer and then the rule part and we have been doing it in the past for rpas or any other business system where the business rules are separate so similarly you can have uh, fundamental rules of the law saying that these are the laws which uh, essentially oversee the entire operation of the system so th that facility or uh, that level of control has to be there i see Got it. So, what what are some responsible AI practices that you have come across uh, uh, during your uh, observation or you know analysis? Yeah. So when when I did uh, this uh, detailed research as to what are the common principles, and uh, obviously there are a lot of uh, organizations that have put across their own uh, understanding of uh, this responsible AI, uh, Google, Microsoft, uh, PwC, Deloitte, and uh, etc. But then uh, there are common five themes that keep coming. And uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. The first one is having a balanced scorecard that I would call it like, so training and monitoring uh, as well, the one part, but having a balanced scorecard saying that you have several metrics in a balanced scorecard, which may interact with each other and they could be detrimental. Sometimes they could be additive in nature like uh, when when we say that to a sales force that go and sell something uh, we don't necessarily say then that you can discount the price so much that you can sell more but that's kind of implied so that's a balance they have to maintain that without doing it so how maximizing or minimizing one metric can affect the other that should be known and that should be visible so having that balance scorecard for a system is one part uh, second, uh, keeping human in the loop, uh, wherever you think it's critical, uh, it's, it goes without saying that you have to have it, uh, because uh, eventually systems lack common sense. You need a human uh, adult to take that kind of a responsibility. Uh, third part is keeping close eye on inputs. And there's a reason why we say garbage in, garbage out. So if your data has flaws, uh, AI will always manifest them at scale. 
so ensuring that full spectrum and i hear that quite often we people say that if you throw a bit more data and let's give it a bit more data so that it can uh, have a bit more accuracy but i think that's uh, it's a bit flawed thinking because a good full spectrum data set is uh, timely it's complete it's correct integral accurate it has a balance so all these things have to be there you can't just have one type of data and too much of it just not going to work the fourth part is obviously understanding the limits right we can't just assume that it's it's going to be panacea in some way and thoroughly continuously testing that everyone agrees that it's not just one time testing required it's not a typical software where you test and release it is a evolving software so you have to keep testing it constantly regularly because uh, if something new comes up you can capture it yes that is a fair point you know it's not a one time static system so it's yeah. a dynamic so you have to continuously i understand that so uh, i mean partially we discussed this point about uh, the ai you know algorithm following the applicable laws in different mm. areas but how to employ ai to act in a manner that is compliant with stakeholder expectations with the organization that is you know either acquiring the algorithm or that has developed the algorithm and it has uh, you know some set expectations about whether you know what kind of process the algorithm needs to follow or what uh, whatever steps it needs to go through and how it needs to come to certain decision so how to ensure that ai you know is compliant with all those expectations some of the rules or say even laws if you're buying across the nationality then some of the rules are pretty black and white if you say that i we don't allow uh, face recognition for instance or we don't allow identification by uh, certain ethnicity or so that is pretty black and white you can easily test and uh, accept or reject but some of the the gray areas where it is totally organization dependent saying that what do you want or you don't want uh, i don't think uh, technology vendors by themselves can uh, dictate that but they would simply go by uh, customer requirement and it is both parties responsibility to make those requirements as black and white as possible uh, i understand that is always a gray area where a little bit plus and minus is accepted but uh, it's in both favor to have those uh, expectations set out in a uh, clear clear fashion so every time you test or every time you accept or reject something uh, you have a valid reason and a basis to do that yes yes now that is uh, that is a good point now as as you witness all these ai deployments all across uh, different enterprises and industries mm. how do you see how do you see the businesses or enterprises ensuring responsible use of ai are they very serious in their initiatives or it is just uh, something that is on paper uh, well quite frankly uh, many of the businesses are confused as to what to do or simply because there is there is no there's so many people out there with their own perspectives and advices on responsible ai or ethical ai i mean people understand why it is necessary but they clearly i'm not sure how to go about it and at the same time many businesses are not even there yet 
So they're merely ensuring that best practices are followed. There's a standard protocol framework. So pretty uh, old standards are still there. Yes. And the issue is that people haven't quite understood the vastness or the scope of the risk that AI is bringing. They still think that it's it's not that a big deal. And I think the fact that we don't know what we don't know is a big deal. It's a big impediment, uh, which is restricting them from visualizing the problem. Yes, very true, very true. That is a big challenge because unless you make the known, unknowns known, you have no yeah, idea yeah. what you are dealing with. So how do you see the use of AI unlocking the full potential of any enterprises, any organizations, workforce? Right. Now, this is a bit uh, sensitive uh, issue, I see, and I'll take a bit longer on this. And there's because it, there is a constant unrest amongst the workforce in several companies I have seen. Uh, people constantly uh, talk about what's going to happen to my job and uh, what do I do? What do I need to learn to, to keep up with it? So first of all, I think uh, I would recommend that you should use AI systems only in a place where your workforce is uh, complaining about the hard work, not just anywhere and everywhere. So if your workforce is not happy doing some job, then that's a good candidate to deploy uh, AI. If they're doing it happily, why, why even touch it? The second part is I think uh, where the time is in essence, or adding more members to the workforce is not the solution. Like if you need something to be done in microsecond or in a very short period of time where human capabilities don't go, that's a second uh, you can implement. The third part is where uh, unpredictable outcomes uh, are costing more. That's where you can implement AI. And for everything else, I don't see you have any immediate benefit or need for the AI solution. Uh, I'll tell you one uh, in interesting example where I used to uh, consult with one of the bank and the project we had was to save a time, two hours per person per day, to give them back in the day. And three months in that project, we did not achieve any hint and it wasn't clear what was going wrong, what are we missing, until one day uh, a colleague commented saying, that, hey, look, even if you give us two hours back a day, what are we going to do with it? Because as long as you don't answer that question, you will simply end up consuming those two hours by expanding our world. And that, that was a light moment to say that we realized that unless we are being we are not just free that time, we must ensure that their free time is repurposed in doing something better. Then only that it can be approved. On the same note, I think. People are not afraid of losing jobs per se. They are uncomfortable because they don't get what happen if they have more. So best way if a company wants to unlock the full potential of the workforce is taking that fear away. Uh, how can you do that? Well, uh, the best uh, thing you could do is essentially empower them with the AI, their own AI assistant, if I may say, which does their groundwork, and then enable them to take control of innovation, of say, providing provide them autonomy to test their innovation so that letting them go, you're making, putting their time to use better purpose, then you're also making them do the grunt work by using that AI or automated assistance. So companies can that way enable them 
to to yeah. better do better things for themselves right so how do you foresee this responsible ai helping every component of our nation you know irrespective of whether it's a business or whether it's a academic institution or government or any any institution you know how do you see responsible ai helping and are there any commercial tools available to detect bias or is it something that uh, you just have to do it while you are developing the algorithm uh not internal tools per se to detect bias and as because that's the fundamental uh, tenet of uh, your statistics part or uh, design part so as long as you are doing all the right practices of statistics machine learning they are pretty on i think there are no tools available as well so and perhaps because it's always an abstract concept uh, responsible ai is a concept it's not something uh, that you do uh, it's the way you do it so there are strategic tools like uh, we used to use uh, hoshin kanri x metrics or similar where uh, at an organization level you can essentially link up and validate that your strategy uh, translates into your shorter goals your shorter goals translate into kpis translate into requirements and those requirements essentially go into your it system so those tools exist uh, tools that ensure that you are doing right things like uh, typical project management testing tools are good enough to do that uh, how you are doing things right and you want to cover the risk aspect of it and that's a critical one which i believe Um, this is pre-mortem analysis or failure monitoring analysis, AI metrics. These are the tools that have been used for past 20, 30 years. People use it for purposes, but they give you a clear, quantifiable results. So anyone in those tools can understand where the risk lies, how much is that risk, and which one to prioritize. Right. So they don't come exactly from AI background; they come from a different background. Right. No, that's a good point. So, how how is responsible AI different than explainable AI? Are they both same, or is it something different? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I like giving analogies here. So, I'll say explainable AI is much like uh, air crash investigation, right? Yes. It's necessary. It's useful after the fact, but no use. Uh, to avoid the accident uh, responsible ai on the other hand is avoiding that crash in first place i see when you talk about explainable ai it's all about being technically thorough it's about being able to understand what happened how it happened why it happened and having an auditable system in place so where you can investigate after the fact and find out how each and every step was carried out explain it to the auditor or government or anyone that look this is what happened Uh, responsible ai on the contrary is uh, being ethically socially and morally thorough so there is no uh, technique to be morally thorough but it's about being able to control desires and put them second by placing human or societal interest first but it's better to have explainable right uh, then it will tell us how it reached that decision so that way Uh, we are able to control a lot more than what we will be able to control with responsible AI because it is more of a hypothesis approach, you know, and developing framework, and then hoping yeah. that the algorithm, you know, follows our instructions or 
uh, follows our code of conduct and ethics that we have defined. But explainable AI, it will actually tell us how it reaches a decision. So in some ways, it is still a little bit better than uh, the responsible AI, I guess. I mean, it's not uh, one is better than other. It's actually both are important. Uh, one is important before the fact, another is important after the fact. Yes, yes, absolutely. Both approaches are necessary because sometimes you want to make sure that you listen to how they reach the conclusion of the decision making mm -hmm. process after the you know uh, it is conducted and before the algorithm when we are developing it we want to make sure that we have the responsible ai features and parameters everything embedded into the algorithm and into how we develop so you are right it both has its own place so let's talk about your book what is it about and how do you see it making a difference and what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners about your book and where where can they purchase it Right. Thank you for mentioning that. And look, I'm very passionate about this subject in natural emerging technology because they have such a profound impact on human lives. So uh, I want to contribute and uh, make it better for humans, better for businesses in both ways. So during last year, year and a half, I realized there's a lot of AI hyperbole. So this hyperbole has given kind of everyone thinks AI solution mindset. So this mindset makes people believe that if you give them enough data, uh, their machine learning algorithms will solve all the humanity problems. Like People believe that throwing more data is an answer. Quality is not that important. But we have already seen similar rise, similar mindset earlier, which was there is an app for it mindset. And we know what it hasn't done any good in real life. You can't have app for everything. There, there are certain things that don't work like that. So instead of supporting any progress, this type of mindset is endangering the value of emerging technology and then setting unrealistic expectations. So, and, and I've seen many companies then taking fire aim ready approach, just the opposite, which is totally detrimental to companies growth and dangerous to customers as well. So if I'm a customer, I, I'm the victim of it in a way. I think the better approach to consider suitability and applicability, and which is why I wrote this book trying to explain it. But when I tried to find more about responsible AI, ethical AI, and how these frameworks are put in place, I found that the problem is not with the responsible AI paradigm as in people don't understand or know. They know why it is necessary. They know why ethical or explainability is necessary, but how do I do it? How, how do I show you that I'm ethical? How do I show you I'm being responsible? Or, or how do I even tell my team to implement uh, AI responsibly? Uh, I don't have any recipe. So in my book, I try to explain and address that how part of the responsible AI. So if companies agree that responsible AI is necessary, my book will guide them how to achieve it. Uh, I also talk about one uh, uh, probably tangential factor, which is AI insurance. And it's not AI used in insurance. It's actually ha having an AI insurance. It's much like if you have a car, you probably might have a car crash. So you buy a car insurance. If you're using AI, probably you might goof up sometime with your AI system. So you might need to have an AI insurance so that in some cases, it will help you remediate uh, customers or, or even your business if you make a loss or if you 
basically uh, agonize someone. So in summary, my fundamental tenet of the book is you can develop AI responsibly. Uh, it's not a big deal. You can do it. But if you have, you have to understand the risk. Uh, you have to understand them better specific to your use case or your context. Don't, uh, uh, my advice to businesses is don't think about like an umbrella problem. Think about in your context, what is important? What is uh, value? What's your purpose? And in that context, if your AI is doing it right for you. So the, if you want to buy the book, uh, it would be released probably next month uh, with Epris, with Springer. Uh, it should be available on Amazon, Kindle, etc. cetera. Uh, I believe uh, that should be easy to find. Yes, that should be great. No, I think uh, it's, I'm glad that you wrote the book and I'm sure our global viewers and listeners would get an opportunity to buy it and read it and understand it. I think, you know, responsible AI is a uh, emerging uh, approach and I think right now it's more theoretical and what we are trying to define, how to make the algorithms more responsible. But at one point, we'll have to bring the responsibility into the code itself. If it's not in the code, then algorithm to expect that algorithm would be responsible would be probably you know naive to think that algorithm will you know follow all the instructions uh, and hope that you know it will follow all everything that humans want them to do unless we specifically put it into the code and then also when uh, the algorithms there will be self-improving code then we have no idea where it takes us you know even if the responsibility is written in the code it may you know or may not follow so we have a very tough complex uh, challenges coming our way and we have to figure out all different kinds of approaches that can help us you know make sure that the uh, future of AI, the progress and development in AI is for the future of the humanity, for the betterment of the humanity. So thank you so much, Anand, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate we appreciate your thoughtful insight on responsible AI. And even if a single decision maker can understand the trends in responsible AI based on the discussion we had today, this Risk Roundup dialogue has been of service. And we thank you for that. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much uh, and uh, good luck for your book and Risk Roundup, a global initiative launched by Risk Group is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies, technology conversions and transformation happening across cyberspace, aquaspace, geospace and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security and peace, they walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, Risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. It is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts fit into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secured for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on the Risk Roundups, to watch the Risk Roundup videos or hear the Risk Roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayshree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.